0: I'm Kim Grenells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day three, Husky Spring, Husky Fall Football 2019 out here on the shores of Lake Washington. Another just uh, gorgeous day. Today is probably the warmest day of the three. We didn't have as much wind coming off the lake, but it was still pretty nice. Blue Angels were out in full force. The what do you call it? What was the hydroplane race going on today? What was the name of it? Seafair? No, no, no. They had a name. They had a sponsor. Okay, oh, never mind. Doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. I think matter. we were a little busy watching practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Kim no, wasn't. He was in here goofing around. We were watching hydroplanes before the hand, <laughs> but <laughs> we were. Yeah, yeah, in the media room. In the media room. Oh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> you missed. <laughs> I was working. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, uh, finally. Some football today, lots of scrimmaging. This, the first two days of camp just seemed like a lot of installation packages, a lot of fundamentals, and we saw a lot of scrimmaging today. And, uh, you know, I think the story of the day was probably... Uh, twofold, the uh, quarterback play and uh, turnovers. But the tur- the quarterback play, I think, is what we got to touch on first. Scott. Yeah.
1: Well, not to be contrarian to you, but there was a lot of install today in the middle of practice. The, there was a ton of scrimmaging at the end, though. We saw them going full field. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, as far as the quarterback play, I think it, clearly Jacob Eason had the better day today. I thought Jay Kaner had some some nice plays, um, but uh, yeah, Jacob Eason had had clearly the better day. He had the biggest play of the day, which we'll talk about at the end of uh, end of the podcast here. Um, well, I guess we can talk about it in a second. But um, anyway, I mean, just I thought uh, Eason easily had the best day uh, among the four quarterbacks.
0: He looked the most under control. I mean, he looked like he didn't look like he was panicked. He wasn't forcing things. Um, it- I, I would say early on, he did. Um, when
1: they went in 11-11, early on, he was with the third team. So a little bit different. Blocking's a little different. It's not as good, maybe, or and the receivers aren't as experienced or anything like that. He was pressing a little bit, but then a fl- uh, switch kind of seemed to come on for him, and he really played well in the seven-on-sevens that they did and then the and then the 11-on-11. 11
2: 11. I would add, too, that um, there was a chance, too, in the final team period after he had a where, – where he led the team for a mm-hmm. touchdown. The next drive that he had, he almost had a – you know, he threw a pick six to Dominique Hampton. Hampton should have had it, and he would have been gone. He would have been off to the races. He jumped
1: that route perfectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. He did,
2: and so it wasn't exactly like – Jacob Eason had a flawless practice or even, or even a, a spectacular practice. But even said, I still think he did enough to start to maybe edge himself a little bit over Jake It looks like he's not
1: trying to be perfect. I, I think in the spring, he was trying to be perfect. I think he was trying to – I think he felt a lot of pressure about coming in and replacing Jake Browning. I think he wanted to know the offense. He was expected to know the offense really well because he'd been here for a year and everything like that. And I thought he was pressing in the spring. And now it looks like he's just kind of cutting it loose a little bit more. Yeah,
2: I I think if you look – if you go back to the 2016 season where he was at Georgia, he seemed to be at his best where he was stepping back, scanning the field, and then just unleashing, unleashing it. So, yeah, in that sense, I think there's more of that there. I just think he was thinking too much in spring. I think he was trying to make sure that he got it down to the point where now that we're in fall camp, he do not have to think about it anymore.
0: Yeah, and I was talking to Hugh, you know, about some of this stuff with um – when you have Jacob Eason out there. You, know, you guys you're, are on a first-name basis now? Absolutely. Right. But, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when Paul Molitor is up to bat, pitchers are careful, right? Mm-hmm. But when Barry Bonds or Mark McGuire are up, it's different because they strike the fear. I mean, that's a fear factor. And with Jacob Eason out there, and we are talking about Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert is such a talented big guy. He scares you because he can do so many things. And you ha- I think a lot of people have that fear factor with Jacob Eason because he's going to be able to do so much more. But the big thing today, and we've been talking about this, is sometimes it seems like Hainer is just forcing things because he feels as though he has to make things happen. And he was forcing things today.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he doesn't even make feel like he has to make things happen. Maybe that's just his personality, where he's going to take more risks. I mean, he's done that all along. And you know, I, you know, I, you could, you have to like the fact that Jake Hayner can go out. That he knows the offense. He's a good leader and everything like that. So um, we'll just see. We'll we'll see. Can Jacob Eason build off of this practice today? And take another step tomorrow, and then another step on Tuesday, and so forth. If he can do that, then I think we start to see things develop. If he takes another, because remember in the spring, second practice, he comes out and throws those two long bombs—one to Bynum and one to someone else—and we were like, "All right, here's the Jacobyson." And then the rest of spring, we didn't see that guy. Are we going to see this Eason or are we going to see a re- revert? back to the first couple practices where he was okay but he wasn't anything special
2: now i would also add too that when we're talking about the idea of a gunslinger when we're talking about idea that a guy just cuts loose and things like that i think it's as much about belief and, and confidence yeah. than it is about having the natural arm talent being the 6'6 six, six, mm-hmm. 230 pound guy and that's where i think it's hard for fans to really appreciate kind of the gunslinger aspect of jay Haner because they see six foot they see 195 and that doesn't scream gunslinger at all. But look at a guy like a Drew Brees. I mean, it's confidence, it's belief. And when you have those things, that goes a long way. And I think in some ways, I think Jake Hayner is more of a gunslinger than Jacob Eason. Because Eason can rely on arm talent. He can be a half-step slow and still throw it into the window with some confidence. Whereas with Hainer... He he doesn't have the arm talent to be able to, to try to make some of those throws. So maybe it looks like he's forcing things a little bit more or throwing into some coverages where it's going to be a little bit tougher for him than it is for a guy who has... I mean, supreme arm strength and, and 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 talent that we haven't arm talent we haven't seen here in a long time.
0: Well, make no mistake about it, Jake Haner had some nice plays today, but he threw three interceptions, and all three of those interceptions are balls that shouldn't have been thrown or weren't thrown in the right place.
2: Yeah, and, and the and the last one was a tough one because it was in the end zone. It was on it was fourth to, down. It, yeah, it was it was to Hunter Bryant, but Miles Bryant steps in, picks it off. Now it wasn't. Chris Peterson ain't gonna be play necessarily pleased about that play either because it sounds great, but then they get flagged for I don't think he spiked the ball Spike or the ball. something yeah. like that. But um, it's always one thing or another. But again, yeah, when he's having to feel like he sees things a certain way, Jimmy Lake and Will Harris have gotten so good at like disguising coverages, and they and again not taking any, anything away from the talent of the DBs. But they've been able to make it really tough on the receivers over the years when they've practiced head to head, and no different today at all.
0: Well, I think it was at the first interception over the middle, where he was—was he going after Hunter Bryant? He
2: was no, he was going after Devin Cole. Right, and it got but, picked off. It was it Molden picked that one off, and that was a beautiful pick.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and the thing of it is, that's a ball that shouldn't have been thrown, and a lot of the people were standing around. You were going he just didn't see where he's just, you know, that short stature, it definitely had an impact. Now we all compare him to Russell Wilson because he's, you know, but you know, he didn't see that. And that's, I don't, I, I don't, that was in seven on seven though, wasn't it?
2: I think so. What, yeah. I, what I saw on it was, was just a ball. Seven, that was a little, so, was, it was a little under
1: thrown. I don't, I don't think that was a vision problem. Talking about a different, a different the, problem. The one, the other one, the second one that Molden picked off was one where Molden made a hell of a play. That was when he came off of his guy and, and, uh, beat Fuller to the pass and picked it off and then kind of went in for a touchdown. So
0: Also, uh, Jacob Sermon had some nice moments today, but uh, I think that Dylan Morris had a really nice day today as well.
1: Yeah, he had a couple really nice throws. Um, you know, I... I I don't think Dylan Morris is ahead of Jacob Sermon, but um, I I definitely can. You could see the frustration in Sermon today. Um, Took his helmet, not took his helmet off and threw it or anything, but took his helmet off and you could see the frustration on his face. And, you know, he's going to have a day like that. Now we need to see if one of the things a coach is like, okay, if you're going to turn lemons into lemonade, right, the coaches are going to say, all right, we don't like it that he had a bad day, but how does he bounce back? on this next day is he going to bounce back with a better day because that's when you see the growth in the player and how and his, where his where's his head's at and things like that if you see him kind of start to tail down then you start to go okay we got to get with this guy and give him some stuff that that is going to help him
2: yeah i was gonna i was also gonna remind people too that you know this was the first kind of full two hour plus practice they've been ramping things up so now by day three they're kind of in the the, the middle of it now. and Was it 2.15? It, yeah, it was a little bit over two hours. But it's weird to think that after day three, you could start to maybe get into the dog days a little bit. But you got to remember, with one less quarterback, they're getting a lot more turns. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot more opportunities to show these guys and put stuff down on film. So I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if the quarterbacks start to maybe go back and regress just a tad because they're starting to kind of hit that wall a little bit. And then once they get through that wall, that's when I think we'll really see who emerges out of this thing. Because I think right now, Eason has the edge, but I I still think it's not too close to call, but it's certainly not... Um, so far, you know, it's not so far wide that, that all of a sudden, Eason can just run away with it and take it.
0: I'm telling you this right now: this offense is di- uh, different with uh, Chico McClatcher on the field.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
1: He's just a playmaker. He had one where uh, he took a handoff and took it, you know, swept around the the outside on the right side and just exploded up the field. I mean, he just looks he looks like the Chico McClatcher I saw as a senior at um, Federal Way because he wasn't even that fast as a freshman when I watched him play here at the University of Washington. He just looks explosive. He knows what he's where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He knows what the play is. He knows what the coaches expect out of him. And I think he's just going.
0: He had a drop today that he should have caught, but I'm telling you right now, he just seems to have, um, I don't know if you want to call it an extra gear or an extra wiggle, but uh, he sure makes things happen out there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I He does. I think, I think he's had a phenomenal camp. I think Trey Lowe's had a phenomenal camp so far. I think that... That slot position is exciting, not just for what they can obviously do and what they've shown in the past in terms of the passing game, but obviously those 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 the fly action and all the stuff that they've liked to use in the past. You've got two legitimate options because both of them played running back in high school. You love to see that, that option where they've got the, the, the ball in their hands and now they've got a little bit of space, use a little wiggle, use a little speed, off to the races.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, All know what Hunter Bryant can do, but you know, you kind of take him for granted today. He flashed.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's flashed every day to me. I mean, the way they've, they've played him, but he had the big uh, catch from Easton down the, I don't want to say it was down the seam. It was, you know, whatever it was, but it was a long play and probably would have been a touchdown if they hadn't blown the whistle.
0: Yeah, he's just, he's a playmaker out there with Chico, and those are going to be your two, uh, you know, splash play guys with this offense. It's kind of hard to say with the uh, running backs, because there's just not enough contact for us to gauge it. Mm -hmm. You know, Savon, of course, is going to be the weapon, but boy, I'm telling you, Chico and uh, Hunter Bryan are going to have Mm -hmm. to be the guys that are game planned by the defensive coordinators for the opposition.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are two guys, but I mean, Quentin Pounds had a couple of nice catches, and I... was telling these guys, I think there's a you know, maybe one or two plays a season. We talked about the, the touchdown against Auburn last year. We talked about the touchdown he had at Colorado in double coverage the year before. Mm-hmm. He seems to come up with at least one, maybe two big plays a season. Had
1: a big one today, yeah.
2: Yeah, and so he needs to obviously step up. This is his last chance to really show what he can do. But you know, he's capable. He showed it today, and I think there's more and more guys that are starting to emerge. We haven't talked about Andre Bacelli. I think he's a guy that obviously people have to account for as well, Marcus Spiker, Ty Jones. Terrell Bynum. Terrell Bynum. Puka Nakua has had a really good fall so far. It's only three days, but he's flashed at times. So, you know, they're starting to build some depth at the receiver position, and not just just bodies, but guys that can make plays.
1: Pounds' big play today came um, on like a, I think it was like a third down, like a third and long, and uh, Hayner found him down the seam, like in the middle of guys, and he goes up and snatches it and then, able to make two guys miss before he gets quote unquote tackled. It's kind of one of those,
2: one of those beautiful plays where all of a sudden he's kind of in the middle of the, of the hole and there's guys surrounding him, but the quarterback's able to just throw it between the window and he found him. And then all of a sudden he's just, you know, he's, you know, there's three, four guys right around him but it was a, a great play by the offense and, again, a really good play by Pounds to come up with it in a key situation. I don't, I don't remember
1: his uh, first name, the walk-on wide receiver, Sua Gadane. What's yeah. his F- uh, Fatu. Fatu, yeah. He, he had even a big catch today too. He yeah. had a long catch today as well. So I thought all the receivers uh, showed well. Uh, Ty Jones had a drop across the middle that you don't want to see. But for the most part, I thought – it and Chico, we mentioned that drop a little earlier. But for the most part, I thought it was a really good day for the wide receivers. It's
0: okay. really hard to gauge with what's going on in the running backs because there's no uh, contact. But one one trend that I think I am seeing is uh, Sean McGrew's is getting uh, a hefty dose of the workload there. Savon Ahmed, I always say, is kind of like a Lamborghini, Maserati, Ferrari. You know, he's, you know, he's just – like that I don't think he can take the pounding up the middle but Sean McGrew seems to be the first guy in line right now you know we got to keep our eye on Richard Newton of course and Kamari Pleasant but right now it looks like Sean McGrew's getting the bulk of the workload for the you know between the tackle yeah
1: yeah um I mean Richard Newton got a couple got a couple carries with the second team today and I thought he was pretty impressive looking Cam Davis actually had a couple carries too but um you know Sean McGrew Takes one, he's bottled up, spins, and then goes around the left side for what, twenty-five yards yeah. before somebody touched him down, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, one thing I, I've noticed about Sean McGrew when I watched him in high school—you watch his highlight film in high school—he just seemed much more explosive than he is now. I don't know if it's the added weight or if he's thinking too much. I don't know what it is. He's just not as explosive as you want him to be. But if he can grind out five, six, seven yards of carry for you. And and be just a consistent guy you can always count on to get you at least three or four
0: yards. I think that's going to be huge for him going forward. As small as he is, and as large as tall, as the height of those offensive linemen, he seems to mm-hmm. do he a can. good job of getting yeah. lost in there.
2: Yeah, he can.
1: Yeah, I I don't think is that that as pronounced as some people make it, but you know it is what it
2: is. Well, one thing I think it does help with is that it it allows him because he has the patience that you saw a lot in Miles Gaskin where he can not so much hide behind the offensive lineman, but he can kind of see what they're seeing. And when when they make a move, he can do the one cut and go type thing. Whereas some of these other guys, you know, I'm not saying they're hampered because they're taller, but they can maybe anticipate some other things. And now all of a sudden that hole might close really quickly. Whereas I think McGrew is probably a little bit more inclined to follow the blockers and kind of see where they'll lead him. And, you know, it's kind of almost like, Hey, I'm going to put my back – I'm going to put my hand on your back, and we're going to roll, that kind of thing.
0: Well, I think the interesting thing, and I haven't seen – I don't know if you guys have noticed it at all, but Miles Gaskin was the best uh, backfield blocker that was on the team last year. And most of the other guys, including Sean McGrew, were getting trucked on uh, pass pro quite a bit. But it's going to be interesting. When, I, I haven't seen him do pass pro for the running backs yet. Have you?
1: No, they haven't. You're talking where they line up the garbage cans and yeah. they have the linebacker come in and they have yeah. to take them on. No, they haven't done
0: that yet. It's going to be interesting to see that because it, I, that's, going, that's going to determine if you can be on the field for third down, if you can pick up the, uh, the pass yeah, rushers.
2: Yeah, won't let you on the field if you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. We, won't, we won't see that until they put the pads and
1: on. And Savon, Savon was not good at that last year either. Yeah. So and that's when he would be a great weapon to have on the field. So well,
0: the only one who was good at it was, was Miles. Well, I, Miles,
1: Miles was pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, Miles was never going to be a physical guy. He was going to have to rely more on his technique right. and, and and things like that. The best one that they've had recently, so Bishop Sankey, when he was here, was really good at picking it up. And Lebron Coleman, yeah. Lebron Coleman was a heck of a blocker for the for the but part of that was he had a lot more lead in his pencil he was what 220
2: 225 pounds yeah but to remember who filled in for levon coleman at colorado a couple years ago kamari pleasant yeah so i'm not saying that kamari pleasant is a shoe-in for as, as a guy that can pass pro with the best of them the size though but he, he now has the size and i think it's it's the natural step in his evolution in terms of a player for him to develop that that pass pro style because He's got everything else, and the and the beauty of his game, guys, is that he can pass pro, pass pro, but then he can leak out mm-hmm. because he's such a good athlete. We've seen already in the first couple of days of camp, he can catch the ball in the backfield as good as anyone that I've seen in, in recent memory.
0: You had a chance to talk to Bob Gregory about some of the linebacker play, and I had a chance to talk to Kyler Manu. Who was, it was pretty interesting talking to Kyler going back you know, when he was offered at Boise State as a sophomore from Coach Pete, and Coach Pete coming over here – didn't know whether he had an offer here so he called coach Gregory and said do I have an offer at Washington goes, well yeah you didn't know that so it was kind of funny talking mm-hmm. to him about that so listen to the podcast with Kyler Manu but you had a chance to talk to Bob um about some of the young linebackers
1: yeah, yeah um, um so he just basically said the young linebackers he says we know why we I mean you can see why that we recruited them I mean they're just athletic they're smart they're they're big they can run they can do all these different things he says but they're still freshmen and they, they're going to make mistakes. And and so it's about learning from those mistakes and not being as frustrated so that they, they shut down being frustrated and that motivating you to get better. And <clears throat> part of it is, um, out of a certain formation, a linebacker can maybe read what's going on. I mean, that's where guys like, you know, you hear him mic'd up Ray Lewis, when he was, when he was playing and Mike Singletary where they were telling, okay, we're going to go here. You know, they're going here, they're going there. This is where they're going, blah, blah, blah. These guys don't know, you know their butt from their head at this point, you know, when it comes to college offenses. And so I think he he said, you know, these guys are getting frustrated a little bit, but that's what we want them to be. We want them to learn now so that when we get them into, um game situations and they won't have that situation and they won't be as frustrated the other the other thing is um miki ayu one of the reasons we haven't seen him he's not dinged up to the point that they won't practice him but one of the reasons he's not been out there with the 11 on 11 yet he's just not fully
0: back yet from his knee who did you like the young linebackers who's who's uh standing out to you Well, oh, i
1: think it's got to be josh calvert um you know are we talking redshirt? Freshman too? Young
0: guys, yeah. Okay,
1: so so I thought MJ Tafisi had the best day of the linebackers, of the young linebackers, guys who haven't played yet. Um, he had one where he just filled the hole, and uh, Jackson Sermon was able to come in and make the play, but it was because um, uh, Tafisi was able to fill fill that gap and force the running back to to maybe make a move that he didn't want to make. And then Sermon was right there. Sermon, you can see, man, that guy can just run really well. He isn't he isn't going to blow you away with his speed, but he's smart in the way he uses his speed. Um, he positions himself well. He knows where guys are going. He understands offenses and what they're trying to run. And I think that's going to be his biggest benefit. But MJ Tafisi's biggest benefit is that he's just a physical player and he gets in there and really does a lot of the dirty work.
0: Yeah, Tupatala um, looks really good to me. And yeah. then uh, Zion. Um you get it. you get his name. Tupou Fatui. Yeah. Um, he just has that look where you go, wow. He yeah. just looks like that physically intimidating player at some point. Yeah.
1: He and he and Latu were out on the field again with the th- third group today, and and I thought they both looked really good today.
0: Yeah. Um, defensive backs had a good day today. I think Trent McDuffie's showing a little bit more every practice, but boy, he's got so many guys in front of him right now. He
1: does. I mean, it. You know, we. I said it. I think we said it um, in the. Um, aftermath of signing day and everything like that. Trent McDuffie for most teams, not just in the Pac twelve, but in the nation, would be starting or at least right in the mix for a starting spot. He might not even see the field with Washington. I mean, the depth out there with Dominic Campton, Kyler Gordon, Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden, Miles Bryant, who's playing some safe, more safety right now, but he he can play corner two. And then and then you throw in um you know, some of these other guys. I mean, Cammy, Cameron uh, fabi Um he can play some corner for you if you want him to. Um, Cam Williams can play some corner, although he's more of a slot guy if he's going to play it. Where's, where's Trent McDuffie even going to find the field?
0: Has Brandon McKinney been passed by Cam Williams?
1: Yes, at this point, yes. Yeah, we, but we've been S- talking about that. Surprising, isn't it? I think what's surprising is that they would rather have Miles Bryant back playing free safety than Brandon McKinney playing free safety. That's what's been probably the more surprise. I thought Brandon McKinney would be your free safety. Cameron Williams would be your strong, like what Taylor Rapp did, if we want to call that a free safety, whatever it is. And then I thought Bryant would be over the slot, and then you'd have Gordon and Taylor outside. but And then Molden would be your first DB off the bench. And when he came in, maybe Bryant moved back to safety or whatever it is. But right now, that starting group, and we talked about the best five from the get-go, the best five right now, I think, are Bryant and Williams at safety, and then your three
0: corners are Molden, um, uh, Gordon, and Taylor. I think what's just so surprising is Cam Williams is is able to come in, you know, and if he has indeed passed Brandon McKinney, but he's also passed Julius Irvin, who's a hell of a talent.
1: He is. I think I don't, you know, I was talking to somebody on the sidelines whose uh, son plays in the defensive backs and he said, is Irvin hurt still? And I was like, well, he's, he's probably still not a hundred percent from his shoulder, but he's not, you know, and, but he doesn't look as explosive as I remember him being when he came out of high school. So I'm really interested to see the rest of the fall Granted, we're only going to see two more practices, yeah. but but I'm really interested to see what he looks like in the first first few games of the season because you know he just does not look like the explosive athlete that I saw coming out of high school.
0: Elijah Molden's playing like an all conference
1: player
2: right now. Well, he is, because if you listen to Jimmy Lake, the mantra is, get the ball back. And he got the ball back a lot today for the defense. And I'll just piggyback on what Scott was saying about just the DBs in general. It's surprising that a true freshman would maybe outplay a kid who started in the Rose Bowl last year, for starters. And then it's also surprising that he would want to take a guy who was a two-year starter at one position and put him back at safety. So that I mean, there there are definitely some moves going on right now in in, in the in the DB room as far as, as far as I th- I think he wants guys to impress him. I think he wants guys to see how versatile they can be. And you asked the question of Jimmy Lake today, Kim. Would you rather have a guy stay at one position and make it his own, or would you rather see them play a few snaps here, a few snaps there, a few snaps? And he said flat out, "We want versatility. We want guys that can play everywhere, so that." offenses have to game plan against everything and that's the and that's the biggest advantage
1: well for me i think the biggest thing for me is just the depth there but you're also talking about you know you said that brandon mckinney you know started in the rose bowl part of the reason
2: he started was because of injuries well correct I mean, but but i mean he but he is a guy i mean he it is. wasn't like he just literally got thrown in there no. he was a guy that had played played. i think he probably played every game last year if i remember right Mm. so it wasn't like he was i mean he was pressed into action but it wasn't like he had only played a couple games
1: yeah i i guess my my thing is they want to get elijah molden's playmaking ability on the field he might not be quite the cover guy out of the slot that miles bryant is but he's a playmaker out of that secondary whereas maybe miles bryant isn't quite athletic enough to make those plays the other thing to remember and this has happened to us how i don't know how many times we watch we watch all and this is when we could watch all of fall camp right except for maybe a, a select practice here or there that we didn't get to see but for the most part we watched all of fall camp right and we think the starting offensive line is this group right and on monday of game week they released the um two deeps. the two deeps And it doesn't look anything like we thought it was. And so could that be the case with the secondary? We're only on day three, right? I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen. But what I'm saying is all we're we're letting people know is what's happening right now. It could look totally different by the time we get to August 31st.
2: Well, two things. First of all, the speculation is only going to grow because we only get two practices more. And so as next week goes and the week after that, everyone's going to wonder, is this rotation changing? What has Jimmy Lake got up his sleeve? What does Will Harris have up his sleeve? The other thing I would say, too, is that if people remember two bowl games ago at the Fiesta Bowl, um, you know, Penn State kind of made a meal out of Miles Bryant. I mean, they had – I mean, was it was it Deshaun Hamilton or one of those guys? Whoever Ju- it was, Juwan Johnson. Juwan it? Johnson, yeah. whoever
1: it was. It was Who's he, now at Oregon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but he, he did a great job getting down the seams and, and, and really taking advantage physically – over Miles Bryant. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who saw that game are now looking and thinking Miles Bryant back in the, you know, maybe being the ball hawk of the secondary at safety are probably looking at this as a potential really good move for a guy like Bryant because maybe he doesn't need to be as close to the line of scrimmage as he was before because they have the talent and maybe they can match up a little bit more physically than they did before.
0: Had a chance to talk to Benning uh, Puto I always butcher Potoa. his name. I always butcher his name. But you know, we've been covering him for so long; it just seems like he's been around forever. Um, last year at the start of uh, fall camp, he was 270. Now he's 290. He talked about struggling a little bit to keep his weight down, and now he doesn't have to struggle. Um, you know, and we've got El Gaucho out here at every practice with their grills and cooking up dinners. They had salmon. Not and-
2: for us, by the way. I was yeah. going to say, does he need lessons on how to like? not keep his weight down because oh. we, we, we could certainly give him tips. Yeah. Better so, than I could. So I could. he says
0: he's just more comfortable. He doesn't have to worry about his weight. You know, and he says, yeah, the El Gaucho, you know, the smell of that salmon and brisket over there. He says, yeah, it's a lot easier to take. But um, I asked him, you know, there was a thing out on Twitter with the um, food expenditures for each school in the conference and Washington had the biggest food expenditure Expenditure at 1.9 million. This is just for all sports. And Oregon was second at 1.3 million. And I asked Benning, I said, So now you don't have to watch your weight. How much of a dent did you put in there? He says, The difference between me and Oregon was what I ate. So, (laughs) um, you know, he's just such a great kid. And just, um, I've got some betting slips left today. Mm -hmm. Um, Picked him up in Vegas, Washington to win the national championship. 30 to 1. So, um, the winner is the answer to this question. We'll answer it. I'll ask it out on the board, and whoever answers this correctly first. Do you know who Benning was named after?
2: Uh, I do. Fort Benning. Fort Benning.
0: It? Fort Benning. His dad is in the Army. And yeah. if you have ever seen his dad, he is, he shows up in his military gear sometimes, and you just thank God every day. That guy is on our side because he looks mm-hmm. like who you want to go to war with. So I, think, I want to say he's an Army Ranger, isn't he? I don't know. If I he's, don't a think range, he's a ranger. I don't think he's a ranger, but man, he's he, just—he is
1: in the Army, um, but I don't think he's Special he Forces. I, I could it, be wrong, though. I could
0: be wrong. He's got those wide shoulders, those that narrow waist, and he's just—he's probably about six five and about 240 and looks like he could still play football but i'll ask that question out of the board benning patoe his uh dad named him uh after fort benning because that's where they were stationed Some people for might actually left. just know that
1: yeah <laughs> so i, I don't know on the board anyways
0: yeah. i'll put that out there shortly so, so which
1: means he was born in georgia
0: born yep. in georgia um one more thing just want to cover uh before we end this scott uh talk a little bit now quit laughing, you're already laughing. <laughs> the kicking game,
1: yeah, um, well, the, we only saw okay, so there were when they were warming up, this is where the, it was just the long snapper the the um holder, and the kickers, right and i'm going i 'll give it to Tim Horn. He was probably just working on some different things, different steps and different things like that. He missed every one that I saw him take. Um, push it r- wide right. He was kicking from the left hash mark, and he was pushing them wide right. And the, uh,
2: and the wind the wind was not a factor today. today.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a factor at all today. Peyton Henry, on the other hand, was hitting everything, right? So then they step up, and the only kick that I saw each one take was from, I didn't bring my notes, I think it was 32 or 37. I can't, it's it, typically less than 40. Yeah, it was 37, I think is what it was. And uh, Peyton Henry nailed his and uh, Tim Horn had his, had his blocked. And the re- it, I, now it was a good rush, but I think it was, came out low. And I think that's why it was uh,
0: blocked. You seem to be amused by the kicking game.
1: Honestly, I'm amused by all of the battles because the way people just get all worked up about it. and I'm like, it's fall camp guys, you know we just gotta work it through. I, I was talking to somebody on the sidelines and they said that they didn't think that uh, Tim Horn would win it this year. They thought that they thought Peyton Henry's just a little more consistent. He's got a year under his belt now. I mean, people don't realize that he was sixteen and twenty-two last year. Now, almost all but one was inside forty yards, so he should be making those. But the guy's not on scholarship; he's a walk-on, and he um, was sixteen and twenty-two. So that's not terrible. Most years you take it, but the problem is he. He had the big miss against Oregon, and so that's the only thing that people really remember.
2: Well, and they also, it it forced Peterson's hand a little bit as a play caller and as a game manager because Mm -hmm. there were maybe some options that were a little longer, like 45 to 50. And if you're not comfortable with your kicker thinking he's going to make those, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I will add to this. I mean, I'm not going to say anything different than what you said, Scott. I'll say this much, though. Both the legs on those guys compared to last year, even, even Peyton, this year compared to last it's year. It's longer. Yeah, his leg and Horn's leg, they can make him from 50 yards. That This will not be a problem this fall. If Peterson needs a 50-yard kick, you know, maybe with five minutes left in the game to, you know, extend, a, you know, from, to go from seven points to ten points and put a game out of reach instead of going for it on fourth down and he, and they need to make like a 45 or 48-yard kick – I don't think they'll hesitate this year. Last year, they would have probably gone, gone for it on fourth down.
0: Final thoughts, Scott Eklund, day three.
1: I I thought it was a really good day for the offense. I I would say overall the offense probably won the day if you go from beginning to end. But that last little session, other than the touchdown drive that, um, that uh, Eason had – and that long touchdown pass and then Hayner taking it all the way from the 20 to the, to the probably two yard line before he throws a pick. I'd say the defense won that last session. Um, and so, which leaves the mark on, on you that you think. So I'm going to give it to the offense today, but I thought it was back and forth.
2: Chris Fetter's final thoughts. I would agree. I would just do a little slight difference of opinion on the, on the last drives. I think, the defense certainly made the splash plays, the interceptions. You can't discount those sudden change plays, getting the ball back. That's what Jimmy Lake wants. That's what he's preached um, since he's gotten here. But yeah, well, Eason's throw to Chico was was on the on the money, total dime. I mean, it was perfect. Um, he's th- he's been throwing the deep ball great, even with the windy conditions. It's been really it's been a strong suit, I think. Um, and then, but I think with Hayner struggling a little bit, throwing that pick in the end zone at the end. Throwing some other interceptions, I'm, I just, I'm getting the sense that we're starting to see maybe Jacob Easton slide ahead slightly.
0: Weather has just been amazing. This is what you want for fall camp, below 80s today. Expected to be 87 tomorrow, 85 the next day. So we're into the warm weather period, and those are the final two practices that we'll be able to view. Um, Chris Peterson available tomorrow, correct? So we'll get a chance to talk to Coach Pete and get his thoughts because you know he's always so – Open, effusive of, about everything. So, um, no, it's been you know today was uh, my favorite day so far. Just a lot more football stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two days was just kind of boring for me. You know, I got the ADD thing going, but there's just a lot more co- competitiveness things going on out there today. So it was a lot more fun. Um, and I agree. I think things are starting to take shape in the quarterback. Coach Pete's not going to admit to anything. I don't expect anything to be announced as a starter. I still think when it comes to east the Eastern game, I still. Think you're going to see both quarterbacks get the reps, so we'll just kind of have to let things uh, play out a little bit. I was
2: going to say one last thing too. I want to let let people leave with this. Once uh, Miles Bryant had that pick, and the, you know got the the the, the call and the, the you know the spiking and all that kind of stuff, it was the end of the practice. Elijah Molden kind of almost comes out to midfield and just starts taunting the offense. The competition factor is getting raised just a little bit. I it, things are getting a little spicy. Waving I think, goodbye. All you know, he, was he was doing, was he waving was just goodbye. waving goodbye. Just because he knew they were going to have to run. I, I think tomorrow could be interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, this a reminder if you want those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note. Huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Hope all of you are enjoying the podcast. It's gonna be a bigger part of what we do. Um, especially with the player and coaches interview. We want to try to stitch those all into one file. Podcast is where everything is heading. Talk radio is gonna have its struggles. People wanna to listen to what they want to listen to, when they want to. And I I think these are great for your commute to work, your commute home from work. Or uh, the game. Yeah, just working around the house. You know, just make sure to. We're going to get better at this. We've got some interesting things coming along with our podcast where we'll be able to improve the quality and do some different stuff. So uh, share them with your friends too. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Go Dogs.